0: Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the
1: Mill Creek View newspaper. Howdy, y'all. I'm Steve Abramowitz, and this is the Mill Creek View podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community. Welcome to our people in the news where I interview people who are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with Robbie Starbuck. Robbie's Cuban family fled communism. He first set his sights on the film and music business, despite having very little money and no family connections in the industry. He overcame and built one of the most successful production companies in the entertainment business while never taking a business loan or partner. Robbie went on to direct Oscar-winning actors and some of the biggest stars in the history of music. As a proud father of three, Robbie sees being a father and husband as his greatest blessings in life. His wife, Landon Starbuck, is the founder of the nonprofit Freedom Forever that combats the exploitation of children, episode 71. Check that out. They are the co-producers and he is the director of the new film, The War on Children, a feature-length documentary about the left's attempt to sexualize and indoctrinate children, out now and boosted by Elon Musk of Axe. How are you today, Robbie? I'm doing well. Thank you. That was a beautiful intro. Oh, thank you. I had to abbreviate it because I know we're short for time. Uh, did you treat Landon to a good Valentine's Day last night?
2: Yes. Yeah, we had a great time. Uh, me and my son uh, ended up making her chocolate strawberries, too, at the end. So th- there's still a little bit of Valentine's left because she hasn't eaten those yet. So she'll, she'll she'll get some of that today. But yeah, we had a great day with our kids.
1: Very romantic. Beautiful family of yours. Uh, that was 112 episodes ago. What took you so long? <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, it's crazy, everything going on. We're constantly fighting. I pretty much tried to avoid doing uh, any any media except for like right when we're done with the project and then I'll do like a bunch of it at once and then I shut it off again for a while and then we'll do a bunch at once and then shut it off again. Because during those interims, like for six months, I was just singularly focused on this documentary. That was all I was doing was making sure that the research was perfect. It was unassailable by the left. They couldn't go after any of the facts or studies or anything that we include in it. And, you know, so it, it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of focus, especially when you also have a farm, you know, we've got cows and chickens and children, and it's a lot of stuff, you know, I do, I do it all myself with my wife and kids. So it's like, there's, there's a lot, you know, <laughs> there's a lot yeah. going on.
1: Well, this time strawberry chocolate last time I think was a cow. So it got a little bit more conservative, I guess. Uh, you and yes. I shared a table at the AFP dinner. So I know you're an activist. So let's get into it. I watched your new movie on Twitter. I think over a million other people have watched it by now too, congratulations. Very powerful, The War on Children. Uh, I think it's free until Sunday for folks. Tell us about it and and sell the sizzle so everyone goes and watches it. Uh, Parents absolutely need to see it.
2: Yeah, it's incredible. Our trailer's over 30 million views now. And uh, since we just made it free, in the past two days, uh, one and a half million people have watched it now. So it's incredible. Uh, you know, the reaction, we we knew a lot of people would want to see this. We did not expect it to be this reaction that we've gotten. Uh, it's definitely just been a God thing, you know, because you can make a great film, but a lot of stuff has to happen that is unexpected. Like, we didn't expect Elon Musk to go and share the film. Um, that was incredible. And we've had, you know, I just actually saw in the news right before we got on, a commissioner in michigan some far-left activists had shown up and wanted to you know derail the commission meeting about all these far-left things that they wanted which includes you know they support the transitioning of kids and things along those lines and the sexualization of them and so this commissioner he made a homemade sign that says the war on com, put it on his laptop and held it up during the entire meeting um so it 's had amazing grassroots reach. you know churches are grabbing it and everything and from the very beginning, even after the film is no longer free on X this Sunday, uh, we are doing free church screenings and screenings for you know local groups who want to share it to a large group of people. Um, so that's something we're doing. People can contact Lindsay at Robbie to set up a screening. But in terms of the actual film, you know, nobody had done this overarching look at the war on children where you look at every issue. You know, there's been some micro, you know, coverage of a specific issue, like let's look at the libraries or let's look at the transgender issue, or let's look at, you know, the indoctrination in schools. We did it all. And we connected the pieces of the people behind it the corporations behind it the so-called non-profits that are really far left activists behind it and how they all intersect how they all connect and how this broader war on children is meant to usher in a new era of a modern form of communism and then also how do we stop it you know it's not just rage entertainment or infotainment this is a roadmap to how do we change And there's a companion piece to the documentary, which is if you go to freedomforever.us, you sign up for the email list. They will email you a parenting revolution manual is what we're calling it. And it has really just an incredible collection of all of the things somebody can do to fight this war and to protect the next generation of kids.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Um, The medium of film is probably the best uh, venue to do this. You, Dinesh D'Souza. OMG now with O'Keefe, you're doing a great job. Um, you interview a woman in the movie. Uh, yes, I know what a woman is. Uh, she's on around the two hour and 13 minute mark named Kelly Paul. Uh, eighth and 12th graders, totally depressed. Things taken away like hope and faith. She said the kids worship wokeness. What did she mean by that? And the reason I, pu- I pulled that out of the whole movie is I think it is really the overarching umbrella Theme of the movie. Um, What did she mean by worship wokeness?
2: Yeah, so that's Senator Rand Paul's wife. He's obviously also in the film, but Kelly is an amazing writer in her own right. She was an author for the Case Against Socialism. Um, and what she's talking about is that essentially it's actually something I've written an article about for The Federalist is that wokeness is a religion. Make no mistake about it. The left uh, is essentially godless at this point, and they've replaced God with wokeness as their religion. If you don't believe me, I mean, just look at that article. Look it up. The Federalist, Robbie Starbuck, woke religion. Um, and it'll break down for you. There's penance involved. There's, you know, the, the church going and kicking people out if they don't adhere to the strict set of principles. There's that they're form of worship at these rallies and things like that it all it all really is a religion but uh what does a religion try to do they try to evangelize they try to grow their religion and that's exactly what wokeness is doing through the schools which are essentially you know a place for the woke missionaries to reach out to these children and try to bring them into the woke church so that's that's what we're seeing in practice and you know if you really break it down to like the you know, singular level of of one of the most dangerous things. It is that this has turned into a religion. And so you've got these (laughs) radicalized adults who will stop at nothing and they will look the other way at absolute horrors to be able to grow this religion of theirs. And, uh, you know, I think that's it's a really dangerous path. When you look back at history, the times that people are willing to do that, they don't tend to turn out really well
1: No. Uh, She also said something that I say a lot on this show and and disturbs me greatly, quote, medicalized for a lifetime, end quote, as enslaved to big pharma. Uh, I read the Pfizer PAC report every quarter and see about 99 percent of politicians funded by Pfizer. The one percent, not probably not disclosed in a Swiss bank account. um, you know a kid, (laughs) not 99 percent, but it's a lot of Dems and Republicans, totally bipartisan, pharma and big tech and kids. You had Rand Paul, like you said in your movie, and Tennessee's William Lambreth. Um, anyone else in DC or the state of Tennessee willing to help you fight back on this cause? Is Tennessee doing anything with our attorney general, for example, that has teeth in it versus the rest of the country or DC? Um, you know, Tennessee likes its Chamber of Commerce Republicans. Facebook and TikTok are big here with corporate welfare, uh, and the media is mostly liberal.
2: Yeah, so um I would say nationally. Tons of support. I mean, uh, legislators from all over the country have reached out and they've asked for our help with bills, whether it be from, you know, the banning of the sex change mutilation surgeries and hormones that are really destructive, lifetime. Like you said, it's to medicalize these kids for a lifetime and make them permanent patients of the big pharma complex. Um, but they're here in Tennessee. Definitely, there's some. You know, it's it's a it's a mixed bag. There's always the people who they think like, oh, it's politics as usual, you know, you take this money, it doesn't mean that they own you. But in reality, I think a lot of people know exactly what the deal is 90% of the time. You know, for myself, even when I ran for office, there really wasn't a ton of pushback until and this is this is something really interesting. I tell people, they're always like, can you pinpoint when people had a problem with you? And, um, You know, there was really not a lot of pushback against me running until I was leading in polls and I declined big pharmaceutical money and all of the medical packs. You know, Nashville is the healthcare capital of the country. That was in uh, the words of uh, a lot of different people, a very stupid thing to do. Um, But I feel strongly that that, you know, people when they run for office, they shouldn't be owned by BlackRock. They shouldn't be owned by big pharmaceutical companies. It should be the people and, you know, small businesses in your area and and people who really have a vested interest in that district that have a say in what's going on. I mean, at the end of the day, you're supposed to be a representative of the people. Right. And so, you know, I think that there's there's way too much influence by these big pharmaceutical companies. I think covid made that very clear in what they were allowed to get away with and it's something that we the people have to do a better job you know if we have a problem with our representation it's really on us we have to do a better job we have to be better about researching who we're voting for why we're voting for them what they're doing what are their money ties, you know what what money are they taking while they're in office what packs are really you know getting behind them, I think all of that does matter and and you've got to really look hard at it because at the end of the day you know, uh, look at that Sam Bankman fried you know, who was basically a scam artist and was buying politicians. He bought people on the left and right. And how many of them have returned the money? Well, almost <laughs> none of them have. OK. and And that should tell people something, you know, oftentimes they'll pretend they don't know they're getting this money. But let me tell you, they know where they're getting this money.
1: Yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing your show on Disney Plus or Netflix anytime soon, but that's That's their loss, not yours. Um, You and I chose Tennessee for our girls because it was the reddest of red states. Uh, We love the American dream that's still alive here, but all 95 counties in Tennessee are experiencing trafficking. Is something unique in Tennessee that makes it particularly vulnerable to our kids?
2: Well, what's unique is, you know, I don't know that it's totally unique to Tennessee, but it is definitely a driver of why we see trafficking as as a big problem here is we have a lot of interstate here. You know, it goes through the entire state. You have to go through Tennessee pretty much to get through all the major trucking routes um, if you're going to go across this part of the country. And, uh, you know. I think that while that can be a good thing economically, it also means that you're a major route for traffickers to take, to get to certain places, you know, so a very popular way to drive through, um, which means, you know, they're never going to turn down money and they're going to create an operation along the way to make money. And that's exactly what they've done on a statewide level. You know, what does concern me is um, there has been some wokeness from certain members of the Knoxville area TBI, where the wokeness has prevented them from doing good. You know, uh, my wife went to the Knoxville TBI and offered to help to try to get them more funding on the Bureau uh, of
1: Investigations. Everybody.
2: Yes. And, And I don't want to bastardize the whole org because there's some amazing TBI agents and things like that. I'm just telling a specific story. My wife wanted to try to help them get more funding for more people to be able to solve the child sexual exploitation and trafficking cases. And um, they would not talk to her. They actually basically said she's not a values fit for working with uh, TBI. And she didn't want anything from them. She wanted to get them money and advocate for them, okay, Um, so that they could get more people to fight this problem and we had tbi agents and uh you know police departments begging us to do this to try to get them more funding but when we went to the main office in Knoxville they literally would not talk to her so things like that are a problem trafficking should not be politicized in that way it should be you know hey whoever can help whoever can can get even one vote on getting something to happen that will improve this situation we need to work together i don't care who you are i really don't you could be a Total commie AOC Bernie Sanders person. I will work with anybody to to stop this if they are correct in that one area. So as long as you're on the right page in that one area, I will work with you. And unfortunately, the Knoxville TBI office didn't have that same, uh, you know, sort of value standard for for fixing this problem. That's there terrible. are a lot of good people working on this, though. I know in Williamson County, our Sheriff Dusty Rhodes, he is he's cared about this. And, um, you know, I just talked with Mark Elrod, who's running for sheriff here. He cares about this and making sure that we ramp up and and ensure that we do everything we can to stop this type of thing. So I think we've got great people. And, you know, there's there's some people who choose to politicize things. And uh you know, that's that's really unfortunate. But we've gotten a lot of great bills done. You know, one of the ones going through right now, not specific to trafficking, but uh William Lamberth, I've been advocating for a long time that we need the death penalty for child rapists. And uh Lamberth introduced that bill. He's a good friend of ours, and he's been great, helped us in a lot of a lot of different ways to do child protection stuff. And this bill, I think, will get passed during this session, and I think we'll make that the law of the land in Tennessee so that judges can hand that sentence down of death for uh, these these absolutely evil individuals who rape children.
1: Amazing. If we have both uh, illegal for an abortion and illegal to rape a child uh, with the death penalty, um, Tennessee is going a long way to being the best in the nation for child protection services. Um, I got about three minutes left for you. Um, I just wanted to really ask, if you don't mind, Mark Green. He announced he wasn't running for re-election yesterday uh, to Congress. He's chairman of the Homeland Security. Um, Any interest in running again like you tried and they wouldn't let you uh, two years ago in District 5? And uh, what's next for you and the movie? Um, You know, uh, another movie making or more activism? What's going on?
2: So that, that is a very interesting, uh, quite, <laughs> I just found out about this last night. Okay. That Mark was retiring. A bunch of people seem to think I had like some heads up on this. I had no idea that he was retiring and to be perfectly honest with you, the most candid answer I can give is I've been making a movie, releasing a movie now. And I literally have not thought about anything like this in that regard in any sort of serious way. Um, the question is, I mean, really the question shouldn't even be, you know, is, is, is it a situation where I I would run? Um, I think it's very flattering that people, um, in district seven, um, so many of them have reached out about me running. I think it's, it's really fantastic. I mean, it, it feels like a good validation of all the work we've been doing. However, you know, I mean, there's a lot of variables to consider and, um, you know, would they, would I be allowed to be on the ballot? That's another question. I, I really can't even ask that answer that question because, um, You know, when my case went to the Supreme Court of Tennessee during the last time that this went around, um, a very vague decision was made that essentially, you know, for any reason, they could decide that they don't want you on the ballot and for any reason they could pull you. So, you know, um, I think that's the real question. Would I be even allowed to be? on a ballot you know i i don't i can't answer that myself so well i think it's worth the shortest answer is i haven't really thought about it seriously yet because the movie's been you know right in front of me that's the focus right this second but there's there's time to think about it and we'll see
1: not a lot of time then i hope you try because it's worth trying um especially for other folks who really it's not fair to say okay well it's this bona fide republican you have to been here for 100 years and paid 50 bucks a year for ever to be on the ballot it shouldn't be that way so if you can bust that so that's
2: that's that's actually a funny thing that's not even what happened to me a lot of people think that that's what happened i had lived here beyond the three years that law they passed didn't affect me at all um that's why we won the state court case where we were initially i was initially put back on the ballot um that part wasn't true i had the most vouching letters in uh In history, you know, here for that type of situation, I had vouching letters from all over the place, from the majority of the counties in the district and um, so on and so forth. So I had met all of the standards. Um, That's why they had to appeal to the Supreme Court of Tennessee, which is a court where it's political appointments. Um, And, you know, they made their decision that parties can do whatever they want to do. And so, you know, I respect the Supreme Court made their decision and that's where they stand on it unless a federal court chimes in and overrules that. That's that's sort of the law of the land. So um, that's 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 where we're at with it. You know.
1: All right. All right. Well, keep. I'll, I'll be supporting you if you decide to fight. Um, it is 20 minutes after, but I just want to let you have a chance to tell everybody where they can follow you on social media, see your movie, anything else you want to promote. Um, and then I'll have to let you go, unfortunately.
2: Absolutely. Follow at Robbie Starbuck. And uh, that's on every platform or on Facebook. It's slash Robbie Starbuck TN. And you can see the movie at the war And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. My wife loved being on with you guys.
1: Oh, great. I'd love to get you both on one time, maybe live. Uh, But thanks again for coming.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: I'm Landon Starbuck, the founder of Freedom Forever, and you're listening to the Mill Creek View podcast. I
0: don't understand.
1: All right, that was fantastic. Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show. Producer Steve, what did you think of our guest, Robbie Starbuck?
0: Oh, it was wonderful. Here, I'll get myself if in you're there. you talking, I can't hear you, brother.
1: Uh, there we go. Now I do. I hear you grumbling over
0: there. You know me. I have to uh, try to get all the technical stuff in the background. That was wonderful.
1: Um, Lots of bus- buttons to push. Know. You
0: know, there is, it seems like in the last two, three years, just a huge push to Get people to understand the problem of child trafficking, trafficking in general, and it is very interesting. There's several movies that have come out. He's got an, I mean, and I, I've got to figure because I think this is how things work. It starts coming through the, the 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 ethos. It just picks it up. Well, let's
1: let's play the clip and then we'll yeah. Talk about let's it. do
0: that. Let me uh, get this thing here and let me uh, play it.
2: TikTok specifically is designed to target young people. That's who their audience is. Have children died because of social media? Absolutely. Have they been trafficked off of social media? hundred percent. Have they been sexually exploited off of social media? Ongoing. Yes. I'm scrolling on TikTok. I see little kids with TikTok. What are they looking at? This is what you don't want kids to see. Is that correct? Exactly. And again, this is depicting children. This is is supposed to be kids. Well, honestly, I didn't even know that transition um, from female to male was an option until I um, was on social media and began being exposed to those type of communities. You've
1: never seen an 18-month-old masturbating? No, I haven't. Have you seen any sexually explicit drag shows marketed as all ages for kids that you would denounce or think that are a problem and that you want to distance yourself from?
2: No. You know this is wrong. So... I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to end the interview.
0: They use the word sexualize kids at a young age or, you know, I mean, give me a break.
1: It just seems like there's no moral, you know, construct at all.
2: Are kids facing just the absolute worst onslaught of grooming that we've ever seen? Yes, the entertainment industry is sexualizing children for an agenda. Your daughter was secretly transitioned at school. That's policy has to do with children as young as five all the way through high school. Penthouse footed the bill to lobby before state boards of education. Yes, Penthouse and Playboy. The history behind this is far darker than most Americans understand. you think the big tech companies at this point are essentially aiding and abetting human traffickers and people who are working to exploit children absolutely
0: if you don't want to hear it in a school board meeting why should children be able to check it out of the school system
1: there is misinformation presented that somehow that we're doing surgery on minors or even children and that simply is not true how old were you when they gave you a double mastectomy it was a month after my 13th birthday. Ultimately, we're going to talk about, are they going to give, the counselors going to give them medication there at
2: school without their parents' permission? I mean, I think we're leading towards an absurd and horrific
1: time. Well,
2: first of all, we weren't forewarned we would be sharing a locker We had no idea. I turn around, a
0: six-foot-four, 22-year-old man fully intact with an exposing male genitalia. This ideology
1: is killing our kid.
2: Do you think more people need to speak up to protect kids like your daughter?
1: Yes, I do. Well, I think from heaven, she can see how hard you fought for her.
2: Do you feel like this is a war on children? I know it's a war on children, but like they said, we're coming for your kids. Yeah. And they have.
0: Yeah, that's powerful, folks.
1: Yeah, Instagram's the biggest platform for trafficking. We've had a lot of guests on that are in that movie. A lot of Steven and Steve dedicated to that. Riley Gaines, John Amanchukwu, way back in the beginning. Landon Starbuck, of course, now Robbie. Uh, we care, right? I mean, we care. I left Washington State because I'm a concerned dad. I'm still a concerned dad. And now my own home state has issues, but it's a national global issue. It is the number one business in the world, better than drugs and gambling, uh, is trafficking and there is a market in America, unfortunately, and so it well, is a massive problem. And I just, I just really respect them for taking it on, making a movie about it. Like they had uh, Nash D'Souza talking about uh, the deep state or uh, twenty-two thousand mules. Like it, it has to come from a yeah. movie maker to get people's attention.
0: Well, and an interesting little thing is Twitter now X is one of the biggest purveyors of porn. It is on there. You can find anything you want on Twitter on x and so elon musk is allowing this but at the same time he's allowing all the other filth to be on there it's one of the number one platforms it's a dirty little secret of of twitter but it is a hub for anybody who wants to have their shows on there so that Uh, is the dirtiest
1: of dirty little secrets is that all technology usually is way more profitable for pornography and gambling than it ever is to watch the newest Disney movie or the cartoon of the day from Nickelodeon or whatever the case may be. And so if it's profitable and it's successful, there's going to be that trace, which is why Facebook allows it and refuses to censor it. If you can find somebody's face from January 6th and hand it over to the feds, they can find naked kids. They refuse to do it. So, okay. Moving on. Seven Ridiculous Examples of Government Waste in 2023 by Patrick Carroll, Fee.com, Managing Editor, dude looks like he's 19, Um, has a degree in chemical engineering from the University of Waterloo, so no dummy. Uh, To stop out-of-control spending, it will take more than replacing politicians and bureaucrats. Number one, $659 billion for interest on the national debt. The national debt continues to skyrocket from roughly $30 trillion last year to roughly $34 trillion today. One of the many problems with carrying such a heavy debt burden is the sheer volume of money that needs to be spent on interest. As Senator Paul's report highlights, the U.S. Department of the Treasury spent $659 billion with a B in fiscal year 2023 just on interest payments alone. We're on track for over a trillion for fiscal year 2024. We just got started. What's worse, there seems to be no end in sight. The Congressional Budget Office predicts that we will add an average of $2 trillion in debt annually for the next decade. The report notes the U.S. government will add over $5 billion of debt every single day for the next 10 years. We borrow over $200 million every hour. We borrow $3 million every minute. And we borrow $600,000 every second. Do you think that would contribute to the inflation rate?
0: Steve, why well, even bother asking?
1: <laughs> of course. Because it's a show and I want it to be Steve and Steve, not just me reading. But, uh, well, I did you know, find
0: out, just to, just so people know, um, Washington State now is the highest fuel taxed state in the union, even over right. and above Hawaii, thanks to the carbon tax um, bullcrap that they put through. Um, we are now the number one state for fuel tax, which causes a cascading effect Anywhere that fuel is used, which is everywhere, even green cars need fuel to get those green cars to the to the parking lot
1: from it's, the truck. The tax is inevitable, but how they spend it is going to be where the rubber meets That's the road, right. no pun intended. And so when those liberals in Washington decide to start spending it on CRT in schools and healthcare professionals in schools and textbooks in schools and all these other things... Um, we got a generation problem no question about it okay number two six million dollars to boost egyptian tourism it is puzzling how the concept of foreign aid ever got off the ground one can at least understand the reasoning for spending taxpayer money on local schools roads and the like even if you disagree but how on earth did they sell foreign aid to taxpayers okay here's the deal we're going to take your money without your consent and then we're going to send it to our friends in a faraway country There's pretty much nothing in it for you, dear taxpayers. All right. So we've got Taiwan, Israel, Egypt, um, Ukraine, of course. Uh, Remember that bill? Oh, I think it was probably two years ago that had zero for America and all of it was for foreign uh, aid. And now we got what's going on right now, this border bill that obviously you can't get more American than our borders. All of it or 99% of it going out of the country.
0: That's right. It, it, Steve, I don't understand it. Other than if you want to destroy a country and speed up the process of a of a crumbling empire, maybe that's the 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 reason behind this.
1: But, Do you understand money laundering?
0: Okay, well, we've if talked about this to... before. Criminal syndicates are running most every country out there, and ours is no different. It's like, hey, we'll float you some money. You float us back money, and it's just what they do. It's 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 a criminal syndicate. This is how they work. They launder money. Vegas isn't built because you go down and gamble. It's been a very laundering. And Wall Street is a big laundering, as are sending aid to countries anyway. Yeah. Steve, you well, and I can't get away from it. We could not Arthur do
1: that. and the Knights of the Round Table. We are shining city on a hill. Those knights were thugs. They yes the bushes and they raised taxes for King Arthur's uh, Camelot. Yep. Okay, number three. Training DHS employees to be their authentic and best selves. The Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, has been pursuing some creative training programs as of late. In a federally funded workshop last year, CISA employees focused on effective strategies to build and sustain psychological safety that allows individuals to show up to work as their authentic and best selves. The workshop was part of a five-year diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. There's a new one, DEIA strategic plan. Ironically, the workshop coincided with SIS's efforts to suppress protected speech on social media platforms during the COVID-19 pandemic, Paul notes. Even I was censored at the behest of our government speech minders, and all while I thought I was being my best self, Rand Paul said. Well, Steve, ever been censored on social media? I'm a unicorn now, Steve.
0: I'm I'm a unicorn.
1: (laughs) Ever come across anybody in the business who's been censored uh, for trying to tell the truth? Oh, uh, yes. For that, but they, yeah.
0: Yeah, some of my favorite people that I like to watch have been, they were the first to be removed from YouTube, and they've never been allowed back. And uh, they're back on Twitter, but they even have to, okay, if they're doing their live feed, they're saying, okay, I'm going to get into some things that Twitter doesn't like. Take them off a live feed and keep feeding into like Rumble, Rumble where we're at, Rockfin and the other ones. But yes, uh, some mm-hmm. of the people I really have been following for years. Um, I even had a guest, um, Peter Bergen, Doctor Peter Bergen, Bregen, Um, He spoke out about the COVID right off the bat, and he got yanked off YouTube and other channels. And so, yeah,
1: our biggest our biggest show to date is the anonymous well the editor not anonymous of the anonymously written turtles all the way down book about the history of the vaccine industry how and how they've never had a uh, vaccine versus placebo test uh done for efficacy um which exposes the entire vaccine industry as a big fraud and we got you know several thousand views on that and the reason we didn't want to be on uh Twitter or uh, sorry YouTube, uh, YouTube early on is it would have been gone, and all the rest of the shows, 150 subsequent shows would not have ever been seen. So that was good. But the good news in what I just read is it's now DEIA, so people can actually sue again in the um, the uh, Disability Act if it happens to them for discrimination because they could just say, "Hey, I'm disabled. I, I have left. I have right thinking." Um, <laughs> retardation and therefore i'm I'm being uh, persecuted and i can do that so they opened up their own can of worms on that one all right number four 38 million to dead people according to a special task force for tracking covid payments from the federal government 38 million went to people who were known to be dead in 2023 in fact 1.3 million dollars of that money went to 30 individuals who had been dead for at least a year COVID relief funding has, of course, been rife with fraud and mismanagement since the beginning. You'd think politicians would have learned their lesson by now. Then again, it's not like it's their money on the line. So why should they care? What are taxpayers going to do? Take their money to a competing relief organization, the article says. Uh, Steve, you remember a little story out of Seattle about the disability funds, and how much money was lost to a phishing scam from a Nigerian prince? Uh,
0: Yes, I think it was in the millions, if I remember right. And also, my wife sent me some bulletin that came through, I don't know, one of the watch groups that $350 million has been misplaced in Washington state under the COVID uh, money that came from the feds. Now, my thinking is this, is it's all the voters that we can't track down that are on the ballots. You do Very know possible. that we have a lot of lot of voters that vote that aren't at those addresses. And maybe those same people are getting the money, Steve. So now we know where the money is going. Well, it, didn't
1: Bob Ferguson, the attorney general running for governor, just send a bunch of checks out for uh, some kind of tuna uh settlement of some sort but it all went off voter rolls to people who have been dead so part of this 38 million is the same exact people yes yeah it's a (laughs) scam it is a scam it's a a scam scam. all right next one you're gonna love this one eight thousand three hundred ninety five dollars For a lobster tank, the Department of Defense pays for a lot of tanks, but an 8,395 lobster tank probably isn't what taxpayers have in mind when they picture a (laughs) tank expenditure. Yet this is exactly what was purchased last year by the DOD, presumably to improve the diet of military personnel. What's concerning about this purchase is not so much the dollar figure itself, but what is represented. No doubt, countless other purchases like this take place every day in the military, and all those luxuries really add up. Did you know that most of the military spending that has gone to aid Ukraine in their fight against Russia is unaccounted for?
0: Steve, what? these are questions. Are these a trick question? Um, am I supposed to say- Of course say? they are. Never yeah. ask a question. You don't know so, the so to So you remember know? the, the TV show MASH yeah? and that how Klinger was really good and uh, Corporal O'Reilly was really good about mm, finding things that needed to be brought to the uh, mass unit they could just work their way around and how generals would get and you just they kind of gave you a glimpse into if you want something you can find it and the government will pay for it so yes this has been going on for a very long time and again we just said that um, the united states is in debt up to trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars and of course these people don't care they they don't they do not care they're not looking at you and i steve and our great 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 grandchildren and saying oh you got to pay this off they're just
1: no no because inflation as i mentioned earlier is it, to avoid it is to have is to receive the first dollar spent so if you're a corporation and you receive the check from the government or the welfare person or the social security person, you get the first dollar of purchasing power. As you spend it, inflation goes higher and it becomes devalued immediately. So if you buy a hammer back in the Reagan era, you got a lot of hardship for this $150. Well, now it's $15,000 for that same hammer. Yeah. It's because the purchasing power of that government dollar that came out of excess taxes is wasted and- and yes compounded over time and here we are in the situation where i don't know if the dollar is going to survive the uh as the reserve currency of the world we've talked about uh how the middle eastern countries that produce the oil are looking at other currencies to settle in and the petrodollar is at risk but we'll do shows on that in the future number six two graphic novels combating disinformation in- <laughs> In addition to their DEIA initiative, CISA, there they are again, has been hard at work creating not one, but two graphic novels about disinformation as part of their Resilience series. The first one covers foreign interference in elections, Ooh. the second covers COVID vaccines. There is nothing comical about wasting taxpayer money to justify censorship of constitutionally protected speech, Paul notes in his report okay that can go a lot of different directions but it sounds to me like they're creating disinformation to combat disinformation which really means they're they want government propaganda to be the facts not the news to report the fake news
0: i i showed you uh for those don't know in my book i actually show you uh the attorney general And how they've got it, they they had a plan to do this exact thing. They're like, people aren't buying what we're saying. We have to go at this way. We have to go at that way. They lay out the plans. This is all part of disinformation and propaganda. We thought that we had propaganda under Goebbels. We've got propaganda that makes Goebbels' propaganda look like child's play. And maybe that's why they're creating child's play graphic novels to get their messages across, because they think we're childish, and and we're gonna un- we're, we're gonna believe what they're telling us, uh, Steve. Well, on. a
1: fascinating thing that I've discovered is that kids can't read. It's a fact. The numbers pointed out they haven't taught them to read for almost twenty years, and so what they are obviously addicted to is videos, whether it be music videos, graphics, graphic and graphic novels, which are you you don't really have to read those bubbles. You kind of get the point, especially if they're pornographic, and Um, in Tennessee, when they were trying to pitch some school stuff, they used a raccoon. We know Joe Camel used this, you know, for the cigarettes, which got banned, and then they just found ways around it with a new cartoon character, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the the inability to read for yourself, like a book like Fahrenheit 451 or Slaughterhouse Rules is to be tricked by TikTok and a 30-second short attention span video that you feel like a boy today cut off your weenie whatever you want want to do all right number so
0: real quick point on that and i'll let you come on the biggest transformation of society happened and the reformation happened because of the movable type gutenberg printing press that allowed the common language to get into everybody's hands and a then Bible. that promoted people to want to read because if they read, they could see what's really being done. And, gee, I got a Bible in my hands in my own language, and now I'm going, well, gee, what I've been taught up there isn't correct. And all of a sudden it launched the Reformation, the Renaissance, the explosion of 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 information and technology has exploded because of reading. And now we're going backwards and, uh, you're right, Steve, if people don't read, they can't avail themselves to the wealth of wisdom that has mm-hmm. been set aside for thousands of years.
1: I can't even read the Twitter feeds, right? I mean, it's, they just can't. So they're going to look at the videos and a lot of them are pornographic. Okay. Number seven, $200 million to famous music artists from the small business administration. Hmm. Through the shuttered venue operators grant program, Shuttered venue operators grant program. I know a lot about this because during COVID, I was helping Seattle with their small venues for uh, entertainment, but I'll I'll read on. The Small Business Administration funneled $200 million to some of the biggest names in entertainment. So called small business owners such as Post Malone, Lil Wayne, Chris Brown, and Smashing Pumpkins received up to $10 million each. The report notes. Even Nickelback received $2 million. Oh my gosh. Aren't they still around? They're Canadian. Yeah, you can find them online. The purpose of the program was to provide financial relief to small entertainment business during the pandemic shutdowns. But apparently, the SBA has a hard time defining the word small, like most big government. Of course, even the money that did go to generally small businesses arguably counted as government waste. In Seattle, where I left, yes. where you are. Those small venues, the Phoenix... The Tractor Show- Tavern, the
0: uh, Demetrius uh, yep. uh Jazz Alley.
1: Sodo Paramount, Sodo uh, Showbox. Yep. They were on the, they were, they collapsed really. They, they, yeah. were, they got a bailout because there was nobody could, could go. You couldn't go in there and people didn't want to do with the mass. They didn't have vaccine passports right out of the gate. So bands were not coming through Seattle because you know, Kirkland, Washington is kind of ground zero for COVID. So that was dead. And a lot of these bands that we've grown to love, the Nirvanas, the Pearl Jams, the Sound Gardens, uh, the, the, the uh, um, Allison Changes, Day. all came from there in these small 100-person venues, right? Yes. So they were on the and So they did get a little bit of bailout, and they did have some donations, and they did not have a chair, and then AXS helped them out, and, and the STG, Seattle Theater Group, they came in and helped. But then you've got, just like during Farm Aid, When they tried to save the farmers from bankruptcy, all the artists took the money and there was no profits for the farmers to actually get. And that would be John Mellencamp. That would be Willie Nelson. That would be some names that we actually love, but that's how it works. You have to get paid for your work. This is that. Except this time the government, not donors, $200 million to people that really didn't need it to stay afloat. That's kind of gross. Okay. Wow. Last little, last little bit here. More voters pointed to immigration than to inflation as a top policy concern in January. According to a Harvard-Caps-Harris poll released Monday, the survey found that 35% of respondents listed immigration as their paramount concern among an array of issues with inflation in a close second, namely by 32% of respondents. Immigration skyrocketed as an issue, jumping 7 percentage points in the list compared to the previous month's poll. Immigration and inflation were followed by economy and jobs, Listed as a top concern by 25% of those surveyed, while crime and drugs and healthcare were each listed by 16% of respondents. The deficit, you could probably put them together, the deficit and national security, each by 14% of respondents, and corruption and the environment were each named by 13% of people surveyed. Well, they should look at the environment down there in the Permian Gap or the border. It's pretty bad. Broad majorities of Republicans and independents, 85% and 71%, respectively, want to see tougher border enforcement. But Democrats are split at 50 50 on whether they'd like to see that. Hmm, wonder why. Well, hey, even if you're voting for Democrats?
0: Even if you have 50%, maybe that's a wake up call. I wonder what it was like, let's say, five years ago, if you had asked the average Democrat, they may have said, oh, we don't care. I think things have maybe moving in the other direction. You might have to go back and do a a deep dig and find out what did people think about our borders five years ago. I mean, people on both sides of the fence, Steve, have been seeing, look, I just had a situation at my local gym. There was a young guy. He was just taking a bunch of paper towels out of the thing, and this older guy that's even older than me was saying, hey, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? And the guy is sitting there, F off, F off, F off, and he had like a mask. And I'm like, I could tell he's from Africa. I mean, he's like... I could tell the guy is here as a new immigrant, and I'm thinking, yeah, we hear about individuals um, that are crapping everywhere, they go to the beaches, they just, uh, hey, we don't see an outhouse, who cares, we're going to take a dump here. This is a mentality that's coming in from out of the country because our own country, unless they're drug addicts, people don't act that way. But other countries, and I know missionaries who've spent a lot of time in Africa and other countries, and to be honest, I hate to say it, but uh, theft is a normal thing over there because if it's left out, they think so they can child have it.
1: rape. And so, what do you think is going to happen when they start running wild in the big cities when you know grabbing kids off the sidewalk, which we are seeing, thanks to the medium of yeah, Twitter and Facebook? It's unfettered,
0: um, unfettered in uh, pouring in is what's the problem. If you do it over a long period of time. And you do it justly then we uh, that people acclimate over a period of time but if you just have them coming in in barrel loads you can't you can't sustain that and um that's the real problem yeah
1: and the guy you use an example probably learned his english from quentin tarantino and scorsese movies because that's you know that word you can learn it uh, pretty darn quick all right former president donald trump the 2024 republican frontrunner in the presidential campaign boasted of his role in influencing lawmakers to block the border bill, which he said would have benefited Biden politically. DHS could try to cover the funding gap at ICE by reprogramming money from the Coast Guard, the Transportation Security Administration, or other agencies within the department, but such moves are contentious, and ICE officials say the $700 million deficit is the largest projected shortfall the agency has faced in recent memory. Some of the proposed cost savings in ICE detention would occur through attrition, deportations, but much of it would have to happen through the mass release of detainees, said the official, who spoke on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to discuss internal deliberations. Aaron Heater, a DHS spokesperson, said Congress has chronically underfunded the department's vital missions on the southwest border. Remember, defund ICE came before defund the police. Most recently, Congress rejected the bipartisan national security bill out of hand, which will put at risk DHS's current removal operations. Heater said in a statement, a reduction in ICE operations would significantly harm border security, national security, and public safety. Record crossings in late 2023 left Department of Homeland Security agencies burning through their budget for the 2024 fiscal year that started October one. The proposed border funding bill that emerged last week after months of Senate negotiations included new enforcement powers and resources long sought for by Republicans. The bill would have tightened restrictions on asylum eligibility and the southern border. While providing the president with emergency powers to summarily expel migrants if crossing exceeded five thousand daily, that's a scam. The <laughs> legislation offered a major funding injection for ICE. It was among the most significant concessions to Republicans by Democrat lawmakers who have long attempted to restrain ICE enforcement within U.S. cities and communities by opposing big increases to detention and deportation spending. The supplemental bill had seven point six billion dollars for ICE overall, including two point six billion for deportation flights and three point two billion. For detention capacities i think the airlines would love that money that would have boosted capacity by thousands of beds per day the agency has contacted agreements with scores of local and county jails across the united states where it can place detainees for weeks months or sometimes longer as they await a court ruling or face deportation about half of ice's 8.5 billion annual budget is used for detention and deportation operations Arrests by ICE resulting in deportations have fallen from about 80,000 per year under Trump to roughly 35,000 per year during Biden's first three years, according to the Office of Homeland Security statistics. Most of the detainees in ICE custody are not immigrants arrested in U.S. cities for crimes, but recent arrivals taken into custody along the Mexico border. ICE statistics show of the 38,500 detainees who were in ICE detention at the end of January. 72 percent were transferred by u.s customs and border protection a major reduction in ice detention capacity would be likely to lead to more deportation eligible migrants getting released from u.s custody along the border dhs officials said that would further undermine the biden administration's strategy of applying consequences no especially deportations and returns they're not doing that to deter migrants who cross illegally and don't qualify for asylum none of them John Sandweg, who was acting director of ICE under President Barack Obama, said many of the Republican lawmakers voting to impeach Mayorkas have attacked him for releasing border crossers who would be detained. ICE doesn't have the capacity for that, Sandweg said. There are far more demands on ICE right now than the resources available to meet them, he said. ICE is funded at levels so far below what the Republicans want, Sandweg said. You can't have your cake and eat it. To,
0: Steve, um, I, I've i got the I got the money for you. It's called quit giving our money to outside countries. Take those billions. That probably, uh, uh, if you take Ukraine, Israel, Egypt, and all the other ones, you're probably talking fifty billion dollars. And now you've got your answer for money. There is no reason that we don't. We have money. It's where you allocate it. We can that's see nice that
1: recap of what I just did. All right. Let's. Yep. Stay tuned for my thoughts of the day. Hi, I'm Dinesh D'Souza, and you're listening to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. All right, it's Tennessee Rescue. All right, time for my last quotes for the week. Before I share, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View podcast. Just go to Rumbler, Spotify, or iTunes. Search for Mill Creek View and hit the subscribe button many times. I really hope you like it. And you can join the conversation at Mill Creek View on Twitter and Facebook anytime. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Edmund Burke. I am not what has happened to me I am what I choose to become. Carl Jung. Hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. C.S. Lewis He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6.8 Defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the poor and oppressed. Psalms 82.3 That is it for this episode and this week. Thank you, Robbie and Landon Starbuck. If not you, who? That's the problem. Should be a lot more of us standing up and saying never again. Maybe one day. This is goodbye for now. I am your host, Steve Abramowitz, Editor-in-Chief of MCView.us. See you all next week. Peace and our time and definitely glory to God. Producer Steve, take us out with a Landon Starbuck song called Stand Up found on iTunes or YouTube. See you all next week.
2: Take away your pain. But I'll keep loving you until you smile.